0: Welcome to another edition of who's better baseball the podcast where we answer a simple question on each show who's better at baseball i'm your host ryan finkelstein managing editor at just baseball.com i have a sort of tigers fan here in clay snowden who's been covering the team for us this year and they had an opportunity to get a lot better at this deadline i don't think they capitalized on it. that's why i wrote about it for us uh, yesterday you know did they fumble the bag at this deadline and to me, we'll get to the Erod stuff later because I think that's in its own bucket. When you look at what the White Sox did with their pitching, and you see what the Tigers did, only trading Michael Lorenzen, it seems like they didn't have quite the same plan to be big sellers at this deadline the way the White Sox did. Yeah, and I was
1: sitting there, you know, all week leading up to the deadline, refreshing and waiting and thinking, you know, writing about it and looking into all the players that they could move, Jose Cisnero, Jason Foley, Alex Lang, um, you know, Erod, rod And um, I even got creative and thought, here are some players with some control that they should capitalize on because the market was a seller's market. And it just kept pushing back and nobody, 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 nobody. Then Lorenzen gets traded. I'm like, okay, here we go. They were just waiting towards the end. And then we just keep waiting and it just ended. And that was it. That was it. Um, to me, they completely missed an, an opportunity. They should have traded more. There was no reason not to. Um, th- this team is not a year or two away. This team is multiple years away.
0: And that's that's why you should have traded everything you can. And to me, uh, again, I, I keep harping back to the White Sox because – the more I look at the hall of prospects that I brought back and the players they sent out, it's it's a head scratcher. I mean, who's the best pitcher they traded? Was it Kendall Graveman? I mean, I guess technically it's Lucas Giolito, but like it's not like the White Sox traded this incredible pitching, they just traded all of their pitching and were able to capitalize on a market where teams are willing to pay more than usual, where you could get something significant for Joe Kelly and Lance Lynn on a terrible you know year for both of them. Granted, that was a specific circumstance with the Dodgers who have already tapped into more of those guys. But I, I, even if it's Michael Lorenzen and, uh, you know, Jose Cisnero, like you could combine a starter reliever and shop that and try to get something. And it just felt like there was no creativity with their deadline.
1: Yeah. And the thing about this is, you know, Scott Harris, who is the acting GM, he's actually not technically the GM. They don't have one. He's the president of baseball operations, but, Let's just call him GM for the time being because that's what he's doing. Comes in, it's his first year. You know he doesn't have loyalty to all of these players. He didn't draft most of them. He didn't sign most of them. He's been living on the waiver wire. I think that they've made over 10 waiver wire claims this year, maybe closer to 15. So you know he's not satisfied with the talent. I figured this would be a case or an opportunity for him to jumpstart kind of get some different prospects in, some players that maybe he had ID'd and wanted in the system. And let's be honest, this division sucks. The White Sox did the right thing. They reloaded, and they're going to try to be competitive in a few years. They traded away who they can, and I'm sure that there's more trades to come. Maybe Tim Anderson in the offseason or, you know, next year at the deadline or something. The Twins are in a position where, okay, yeah, like, sure, their first place or second place kind of bouncing around like they're not great and they're not necessarily built in a way that's oh, man, there's no way that we can get past them. The Tigers have an opportunity to be good in a few years if they do it the right way. And what did they do in the draft? They took a high schooler showing we're not trying to be competitive next year or the year after. We're, We're not pushing it we're going to take who we believe to be the highest upside. Now, you can debate wide Langford or Max Clark. They went with Max Clark. It just shows, again, we're not looking to be competitive immediately. Jason Foley is a phenomenal pitcher. He's one of the more underrated guys out of the bullpen in the entire league. They could have gotten a lot for him. He has several years of control left. Instead, they hold. Alex Lang, really good last year. Pretty good this year, walks way too many guys, still somebody that they could have paid for. And the thing that confuses me is Chris Fetter, the pitching coach, has shown time and time again he can turn mediocre players and untap their potential. He has turned Bo Brisky from a nobody starter into a really good option out of the bullpen. Jason Foley, Alex Lang, Tyler Holton, he keeps showing time and time again that he can get more out of these pitchers. So why do you need to hold, hoard them during an uncompetitive season? Now they didn't have any bats to trade. Nobody's out here looking to acquire hobby bias. So it was all pitching this year and maybe Jake Rogers, a catcher. They hold all of them. Doesn't make sense to me. They better trade them than the off season. And you know what? The one thing that I can hold on to is first year GM doesn't want to just accept anything. And I'm not saying that this is the right move. I'm just trying to offer some explanation. Maybe the offers were bad. And instead of just selling to sell and starting that off, your first season kind of, you know, getting the short end of the stick, he said, no, I'm not going to be pushed around. I'm going to wait and hold. Now, I find that hard to believe to be the situation, but it is possible. There was a GM in hockey for the Blackhawks. Kyle Davidson, his first year in GM. He did not trade some players who should have been traded at the deadline because he specifically said afterwards, they were just trying to take advantage of me and they were not offering fail, fair value. And I did not want that to be my reputation in year one. I'd rather hold, which you could argue, but it's possible. At the end of the day, there has to be a lot of roster movement after this season. This team's not good. They are simply not a good baseball team there's no reason to hoard all of these players. it's it's time to move some of them.
0: you know I, I think with with Lang and Foley, I, I can understand if the packages weren't there, all right you hold you still have three years of control. you'll have other opportunities in other seasons where you know it's not like we're expecting the Tigers to be great next year. You can flip them with two years of control beyond next season and still get great value. Apparently, and this could have just been them trying to draw my pictures, but there was reports that there was interest in Jason Shreve and Cisnero. So these are guys that are rentals. Like, flip them for anything. You know, yes, maybe you just get 17- and 18-year-old lottery tickets. But what if one of those lottery tickets hit? I mean, you're better off doing something. And then I still can't fully believe that they didn't get great offers for those guys if they even shopped them. Because you know Paul Seabold got what he did, and you know Kendall Graveman got what he did, and a lot of these relievers, you know, quality relievers, got big packages. And with control, you would have thought they could have got even more. Uh, I just think that they, there was a missed opportunity there. And again, I'm holding off on the Erod uh, part of this because to me, it's just the entire plan was off. And you mentioned Rogers too. I mean, when you see the Jake Berger trade, you think. You know, not not that it's the same player, but it's the same idea. You know, a player with control that's a quality big leaguer that can fill a position of need for somebody. And the Marlins could have taken Jake Rogers. The too. Only the only thing I think Jake Rogers would
1: have had a lot of trade interest. The only thing I can see is they are extremely thin at catcher. Like their top catching prospect Dylan Dingler has been good, but like not a for sure. Major leaguer, twenty four year old in Double A, maybe maybe he's twenty five now. Little bit of the outside, like not a for sure thing. However, beyond him, there's nothing, nothing. So Jake Rogers with a few years of control, I thought the best plan was you're going to suck next year too. You're probably going to suck the year after that. Are you paying thirty year old, thirty one year old Jake Rogers in best case scenario year one of like a contention window no you might as well trade him let dylan dingler see if there's value there if he can be a major league catcher and if not you sign one of the vets on a one-year five million dollar deal in the offseason and you get by right they didn't do it like you said cisnera is still here i bet you he's mad because like he's good and he probably thought i'm gonna go to a competitor and actually have a chance to do something here nothing um and then the E-Rod situation.
0: And then the E-Rod situation. So, okay, we'll we'll say this. It, it could have been the family thing, but Ken Rosenthal had some reporting that uh, with a lot of players we saw with Max Scherzer, when it, there's an option in place and a trade is, is made between two teams, that player now has some leverage to get some compensation. Okay, it's their opportunity because of, honestly, not – Scott Harris's fault, but a a very restrictive contract that they signed Erod to, not only giving him an opt-out after the second year, but also giving him that limited no-trade clause of tank teams, Erod had a lot of leverage, and he tried to essentially say, you know what, I don't even want to test for agency, a guy that's been hurt a lot, I want to to be able to stay with the Dodgers, opt-in, have a fourth year added to my contract at $20 million, so... Even if he got hurt this year, he's still sitting at you know the three years, was it three years 49, I think he's owed, or something like that. And that sure. would have been four years sixty-nine. The Dodgers, that completely changes the game for them. If, if this is all true, you go from thinking you're getting a rental to oh, he's probably gonna opt in. And do you want to commit to basically four years, 70 million dollars on Erod? They say no. If all of that is true, my question is. How did the Tigers not have any plan for that? How did they not have any thought in their mind that this could happen? Did they just assume that Dodgers are a great team? Why wouldn't Erod want to pitch there and not have any conversation with him beforehand to allow them to maybe have some foresight on this one? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like to me,
1: and just to be clear, the Tigers would not have signed Erod without those opt-outs and no trade. Like, that's what you have to do when you're the Detroit Tigers to sign a player like Erod. This doesn't just, hey, I really, really want to play in Detroit. Like, I'll sign whatever deal. Like, it's not the big market team. You're going to have to do stuff other teams don't want to do. Like, give Harvey that many years. Like, that's part of playing the game when you're the Detroit Tigers. So, I don't fault them for that deal. They got a good pitcher. He had all of the leverage. And it sounded like... They And I don't necessarily know the list of teams or anything like that, but to me it sounded like he was okay with the Dodgers because he was talking about, you know, if I get this, I'll do it. And then last minute decides not to. I find it extremely difficult to believe someone who's smart enough to get hired to be a general manager role in the MLB factored a trade together for the Dodgers and then wait up you don't want to go to the Dodgers. Oh my gosh. Like to me, it's a last minute change. It was something that happened last minute. There is no possible way that Scott Harris just worked up a trade last minute and then said, Oh no, I didn't check the list. Like that, that cannot, I just find that so difficult to be true. So to me, it's Erod had the leverage to deny the Dodgers last minute. And he likely said, Okay, yeah, like I'm I'm interested in the Dodgers if. And then, you know, it just – but but here's the deal. You need a plan B. You yeah. can say we have the Dodgers trade. It gets denied that like, you have to have a plan B. The only way that this works is if he opts in, which the chances don't look high. But this is an asterisk player. This is a weird situation with kind of a bizarre guy. Um, He's in a position last year where he pretty much ghosted the team. And it got so bad to the point that they were looking to terminate his contract without having to pay him because the MLB was going to allow it because of his disappearance from the team. And I don't want to get into all of that. You know, it's his own personal life. But um, he's not a normal person, I guess you could say, like, it's shown through this. So it, it is possible. I, I'm i saying it is. I am less shocked by him opting into the deal and just staying in Detroit because of whatever odd unique reason that he has. I'm less shocked by that happening than by him denying a trade to the Dodgers. It's like crazier things have happened in the past two weeks than the idea of Erod sticking around. Gut tells me he's still going to opt out and the Tigers are just going to lose on the situation. That's the game you play when you give opt outs and no trade clauses. Maybe there's a team out there that he wanted to go to and that team didn't want him. It's, that is possible. Hey, I only want to go to the Red Sox or, you know, whoever. Well, they don't want you, buddy. And it's also possible that some teams were a little bit hesitant about, man, what if he gets injured and he ops in? Like, there's an outside chance that you just wanted the financial freedom. You Because there's some good pitchers on the free agent market, better than Erod. What if there's a chance that they said, you know, the Cincinnati Red said, man, we are in such good financial situation. Like we have our targets on these specific players to sign this offseason. I don't want him to opt in and have 16 million on our books next year. Like again, Erod's a good pitcher. He's worth that money. But it's not that's not the question. The question is how much financial freedom do you want to have going into the offseason? So there's so many things at play with Erod. Such a bizarre situation. I think what happens is end of the year, he opts out, hits free agency, and the Tigers, it's just going to come up again, how they fumbled it.
0: You know, it's, to, to me, the lack of a plan B, and, and maybe even a flawed plan A, really came back to haunt him here because you know, there was also another report about how they wanted to be kind of the, the last arm on the market with e They They wanted to yeah. get that last offer, which – when you have a complicated trade situation with that no trade clause, you can't afford that. And not to say that this was on the table, but let's just throw out there that when the, the white Sox, you know, make the trade with, with the angels, what if the angels had called up the tigers and asked for Rod? Now, Hey, there's every chance that ERA doesn't go there, but, Maybe that package that they got for Giolito would have been on the table for Erod because and Erod and Cisnero, whatever it is, that could have been there for them. And they wanted to hold out to get a better offer. They were waiting for something better. Sometimes you take the burden hands. And again, it's not to say this definitely happened, but I could see it based on some of the reporting. And maybe in that scenario, the Angels are so gung ho they say, "Screw it, we'll give you thirty million dollars in the fourth year." And yeah. Erod waves it like. To me, it was they should have made sure that they traded Erod. That's that's the bottom line. There was 20 teams that aren't on that no trade list, so they could have found something for him. They should have got something. So that that's the so
1: first off, that exact package for Erod and let's say Langer or Foley would bring back Edgar Care or the catching prospect. Like, what did I just say? They need a catching prospect. Like that deal would have been great. We all would have been happy. Everyone's happy now. Maybe it wasn't on the table. Maybe they didn't want Erod. That would have been four le- lefties in their rotation. And yeah. and I'm just like, that's a lot. So you know, but we're we're playing the game here. But what you mentioned, there's 20 other teams. Like if I'm Scott Harris, I ship him to I don't care where, and I get something back. Exactly. Like there had to have, of those 20 teams, there's one that's interested. I don't even care. And this sounds, you know, I don't even care if it's in division. Ship Mm. them to Minnesota and get back whatever you get. It's just weird, man. It's a weird thing. Like, I guess, you know, these are people. So you wouldn't just say I'm shipping you to Kansas City and taking the 30th ranked prospect and we'll pay all the money just to get back at you or whatever. Like, you're not going to do that. But there's probably a team out there that would have taken him even if the return was lighter, this system in Detroit needs a lot of help. Sure, the draft helped. This is still not a deep system. They had, I think, four players, four or five players on their top 30 that have already gone through the Rule 5 and not been selected. Like players who were just kind of filling out a top It's not a system, man. If you could even get two players back. But, you know, at the end of the day, They really lost. So to me, it's now all the pressures on Scott Harris in the offseason. Now, are they going to hire an official GM to handle it? Is he going to continue this role? There's far too many questions right now for a major league baseball team who is trying to win baseball games in the next five years. There's so much up in the air, so many unanswered questions, so many examples of kind of obscure behavior from front office standpoint in year one, not, not looking great. I do have faith in him. I think he's a smart player, or excuse me, a smart, um, you know, front, front office person, but man, we need to see some, something different.
0: It's, you know, all the guys we've been talking about today ultimately aren't going to be part of your window to to contend. I mean, I think that this is still, like you're mentioning with this farm system a couple years away, if they would have traded Lang Foley, E-Rod, um, they got anything for Cisnero and Shreve traded Rogers. They would be looked at at this deadline. It's big winners. They'd be right there with the white Sox and the Mets, as teams that took bottom barrel farm systems. And if not made them, you know, top 10 farm systems, at least put them in the middle of the pack. And that would have gone a long way, but they didn't do any of that. They made one trade. One trade, a single trade of Michael Lorenzen for an infield prospect, it's- There's only,
1: there's one thing that could save them and it's not going to happen, but that's if they go out this off season and spend money and try to improve the team. And this whole thing was actually not a, oh, we missed an opportunity to sell, but we're actually building quicker. Kind of like what the Cubs have done where it's like, we're not very good, but we're adding cornerstone pieces as we go, like Danesby Swanson, like Marcus Stroman. Like, I don't think that's possible. I don't think it's it, it is possible. I don't think it's likely. But that's the only thing I can think of right now that could possibly save them or be an excuse for not trading some of these players.
0: You know what's going to save them? They're going to be the team that gives Shohei Otani a billion dollars. He's coming to Detroit. And it all makes sense. If Shohei Ohtani was on the Tigers, would they still finish above fourth place? I don't know. Probably not.
1: Ohtani and Soto, both in Detroit. Ooh. The Motor City, baby.
0: And that division, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Maybe Ohtani alone does get you, like, second place. Uh, but bottom, bottom line, it, a, a rough deadline, I think. As we look back on it, it's going to continue to look worse and worse because, like you mentioned, if Erod opts out, he already got a qualifying offer. He'll get nothing for him. And you move on. But you know what? Maybe you are right about the fact that Scott Harris didn't want to make any bad trades. And maybe he'll make better trades in the future. And this is just a first-year executive running the show. He better and, learn from it. And, yeah, he better learn from it. And, and maybe next deadline. where We're singing a different tune about that farm system. But for now... Big loser of this deadline. Uh, make sure you read my article, uh, follow, rate, and review, whatever you get your podcast, subscribe on YouTube, and check out all the other great written content we have coming your way at justbaseball.com.